Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He found a um, big, big disc of record, like Rachmaninoff Piano Concerto, first movement, or Chopin Concerto, first movement, or nothing was complete music. Would you hear music coming from his room or...? No, not me. I think he just collected. I have told you about Henry Dogger's story. It is now time for me to tell you about what we share, a passion for music. My name is Philippe Cohen-Solal, and you're listening to the fifth episode of Outsider, the amazing story of Henry Dogger. The learners were not able to keep Henry Dogger's records collection, but they did keep the notebook in which he meticulously wrote down every single record he bought and its price. For a dollar or 50 cents, he bought all kinds of music, American classics like My Old Kentucky Home. The sun shines bright in the old Kentucky home. Or Don't Buy the Hand That's Feeding You a 1915 song encouraging immigrants to stay loyal to the United States during the First World War. If you don't like your Uncle Sammy, then go back to your home or the sea, to the land from where you came, whatever be its name, but don't be ungrateful to me. If you don't like the stars and old glory, if you don't like the red, white and blue, Then don't act like the cur in the story. Don't bite the hand that's feeding you. Henry Dogger seemed to be, as I am, a very curious record collector. He also owned Sicilian tarantellas. Traditional Irish music and country music. And, of course, a lot of military marches. He listened to a lot of jazz, popular music of the early 20th century, which I also love, like Al Jolson's music. I know a millionaire who's burdened down with care. Alone is all. Henry also bought records of comedy skits. His favorite was Joe Heyman's Cohen on the telephone, the story of a Jewish immigrant with a very strong Yiddish accent 
who never seems to be taken seriously over the phone. Hello, are you there? Oh, yes. Are you the bank? Yes, I want to see the manager, please. I say I want to see... What do you say? This is a, not a telescope, it's a telephone. Not only did Henry Darger love music, but he also wrote song lyrics, which he embedded in his novels. These lyrics are the ones we used on the Outsider album. Who will follow Angelina Standing for the ride Holding up her banners In the thickest fight His songwriting process is similar to artistic process in general. He would pick an existing song and modify the lyrics so it would fit in his story. For example, Who Will Follow Angelina is in fact his own version of the Catholic song Who Will Follow Jesus. His very avant-garde love for sampling his musical curiosity, the fact that he was completely self-taught as I am myself, these are reasons why I have always identified with Henry Dogger. And it is with another passionate and self-taught musician, my good friend Mike Lindsay, that I decided to embark on the journey of making The Outsider Project. I'm Mike Lindsay, one half of Outsider with Philippe Cohen-Solau. I'm part of a band called Tongue and we've been around for 15 years or more and I'm part of another band called Lump as well which is me and Laura Marling I am a record producer, musician and motorcycle rider I met Mike about 15 years ago he was performing with Tongue at La Maroquinerie in Paris we became friends immediately and very early on I told him about Henry Dogger I think it would have been like 2008 let's say that you first divulged your major plan to, to try and create a record based on, on his work. My major plan, as Mike refers to it, was to make a collaborative album on which different musicians would write their own song inspired by Henry Dogger. Yeah, because I, I, I seem to remember you mentioning someone from Calexico and I think the original idea that you had perhaps said to me was, I really want to make a kind of collection of people and make an album working with lots of different people would you know would you be interested in doing a track with me didn't know that you wrote lyrics so that's why i wrote a song which is become what you are which is not on the album at the end but it will be like a bonus track later you will become what you are roaming alone on your way hitting the road for a thousand miles the windy city will blow you away. It's only after writing Become What You Are that I was told by Michael Bonesteel, Henry Dogger's biographer, that Dogger had written his own songs. It was almost too good to be true. Michael sent me more lyrics that he found because he did really big research and he found other lyrics which are part of the realms of the Unreal. He, he's effectively a kind of sixth member of Outsider, really, then, isn't he, in terms of uh, 
finding the gold that fueled the songs, you know. He's like um, George Martin or someone, you know. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> He would be happy to hear that. <laughs> At this point, I felt confident enough to announce to Kyoko Lerner that I would be making a musical project around Henry Dogger. And then, time passed. I got caught up in other projects. Until one day, in 2015... Kyoko called me to tell me there was going to be a big Henry Dagger exhibition in Paris. I remember that Kyoko called me and they say, Philippe, uh, okay, now uh, it's the right time to release your album or, you know, about because she thought that I did more songs or... Yeah, she thought you'd actually made an album, but you hadn't even started, yeah. You phoned me in a sort of a panic, I seem to remember, and you kind of said, um, are you free, like, it felt like it was like, are you free next week? We need to come and write uh, a whole EP or five songs for uh, this Henry Dagger idea for this exhibition that's happening next month. I've already booked the record pressing plant before we've even written any music. So it was great. Sometimes you need that, you know, just to get the project moving. It's just uh, set yourself a ridiculous deadline and then it works. Mike and I immediately got to work. We started writing music for Henry Dagger's lyrics, and a week later, we met at Mike's studio in London. And then we tried to find a, a kind of production route that would sort of blend them together. And it was quite interesting, the way I was writing and the way that you were writing, they kind of felt like they belonged together straight away, which was good. I mean, I remember when you first mentioned the project, I was more imagining this kind of cut-and-paste collage, electronica, quite contemporary, with very little sort of singing, and I, I kind of imagined it to be like that, but it ended up becoming because of the lyrics that Henry Dagger wrote. I guess we were trying to collage different genres together, mix with different mediums with tape and, and sampling off of vinyl and, and using... Uh, synths and, and little electronic beats from now and synths from the 70s and I think all of those instruments and, and those kind of techniques of, of kind of jigsaw puzzling them together I think are a kind of inspiration from, from the way I imagine he was putting his paintings together. Exactly, we mentioned that and it's, it was really important that it was not too Clean. It is something also that I learned from you when we worked on the outside album. You, will, you did never hesitate to to twist the sound, to change, to deform. Yeah. Sometimes to make it sounds less good, or less perfect. I would say not good because it sounds yeah. great. It sounds really great, you know. And it's something really that I learned from you. On this EP and on the album we were about to record next, Mike and I were joined by two wonderful artists. We were very lucky to have Hannah Peel on the project, who is an amazingly talented musician and singer. Yeah, Hannah Peel, uh, she's quite well known now, more well known these days than she was even when we were working on this uh, project. But she's a composer uh, at the moment for film and cinema. Um, she's an electronic musician. She's a singer-songwriter and uh, plays trombone and piano and synths and and an incredible violinist and, and uh, so multi-instrumentalist. So when we were working on this, it was just fortunate that she's so talented that she was just next door and we could say... Well, first of all, the singing, I think, probably came first. Um, we quickly realised that by having Hannah and Adam as character voices, she could sort of represent the Vivian girls. Uh, she's got this wonderful sort of wise 
innocence to, in the way she sings. And it did seem to fit perfectly, didn't it? And then, you know, I'd ask her in to play some trombone parts. Um, and eventually she she uh, arranged all the strings and recorded those herself and then sent me sent me the files. So, yeah, she's very much a part of the, the major sound of the record. Absolutely, yeah. And I also introduced you to Adam Glover that I knew from my manager, Sally, Sally Gross. I knew that he was an amazing singer, but I think you were... Pretty blown, blown away oh, when he started to to sing oh, in your mic. Oh man, ah, oh, it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah. When you had mentioned him, I was looking forward to him coming to the studio. I think he was coming just to try it out because at, at that point, I think it was me and you singing these songs. Well, it it didn't have quite the sort of gravitas that we were we were needing. Trying to attack on the hills of our savior. Always following our generals and kings Shaping our lines by their brave examples Happy, how happy the results that we bring Pressing more closely to them who are leading When we are forced Um, and yeah, I remember that first time that I had the headphones on, had him stood in front of the mic and, and had the lyric sheet and, and had my eyes closed and listened to him. Yeah, it's just, I, nobody sings like that these days. It's so rare to find someone who can, you know, have that power. I don't know if Adam Glover would to, to be Adam Glover, is that his natural voice? Because he sound, he's a combination of Scott Walker, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, you know. Sometimes even David Bowie or... Nick Cave or Leonard Cohen. It's true. It's true. Yeah, he's, it's kind of like all the greats, like sort of exist in in his voice box, and they all come out kind of melded together. Heartless, the battle cry for thee. Go find the children wherever they may be. Our EP came out in time for the Henry Dogger exhibition at Le Musée d'Art Moderne de Paris in 2015. But Mike and I were not done. We decided to get back in the studio and make an album this time. We didn't know it yet, but this decision was about to take us on a five-year journey. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, go. So tell me a bit about Mike and Philippe and, and what's been going on in the studio with them. Um, this week's been great. Um, I love working with them all, so to be back in, back together in LA has been, has been really great. This journey first took us to Los Angeles, where Adam Glover had just moved. 
We knew we absolutely wanted him on the album. So we packed our bags and went to America. So you, you had an opportunity to, to have a week in, in a studio in L.A.? When I lived in Iceland, there was a, it's a guy called Scott Hackwith, is his name. Um, he's a producer uh, in L.A. And he was visiting Iceland when I was there. And um, he needed a studio for a week. So I let him use mine, which was far inferior to his studio in, in L.A. So when, when we got out there, well, I, I actually went out to go to my cousin Stag Do in Vegas for three days. And I thought, while I'm out there, maybe I can take Scott up on his... Um, offer to use his studio in exchange for when he used mine. So I told you about it and you decided to come. And uh, it was an, ama it's an had an amazing collection of analog gear, old RCA 40s microphones and Neve preamps and LA-2A compressors. And Adam was living there, so we recorded him. It felt like on, on the right microphone for his voice that would have been the microphone that those 50s recordings would have been made on with, with Sinatra and things. That was a good gift, yeah. And his, his friend was Roger uh, Brogan, who, who um, played the drums, so that worked out quite well. And I slept on their sofa. And we, and we went to Joshua Tree, the desert, together, uh, which was great. We had a, had a great time. You reminded me also that I had a, a car accident there that, that I completely forgot. <laughs> I think we had done all the recording, and I think it was on the last day or two... Um, over the course of making the Outsider album, I got into two separate accidents and came very, very close to dying. That night, driving back from Joshua Tree in the rain on a Californian road, a car drove right into mine. I saw it come straight at me, but I didn't move. So there was a lot of police and, and, and firemen, and they came. They told me oh, we were lucky because just a few meters on our right, there was a canyon, there was a ravine. So we, if, wow. I, if I only just pushed my wheel on the, go on the right to avoid a car, I will go to the ravine. Wow, okay, so if you, if you had reacted to try and get out the way, which is a normal thing to do, most, most normal people would do that, but you're not normal. You thought, no, he's gonna move, you like, <laughs> You stuck your ground. Yeah, man. That's why you're a survivor, Philippe, because it's not, that's not the first time. Well, that was the first time, and the second time you were walking along a bridge in Sweden in, in the winter, which collapsed and you fell, fell in the sea, and that was even more serious, which took about a year of your life away, didn't it, really, in terms of re recovery? Totally, because I couldn't play any instrument. I couldn't play any guitar, any piano, anything. It feels like... When you recovered and you came back, I felt like I mean, it still took a while to get back to this stage, but it felt like you had a bit of an epiphany about life and about how to embrace what, what's important. I only fully recovered in 2019. And that year, we started imagining a way to tell Henry Dagger's story on stage during the tour we were planning. At the same time, there was talk of a disease spreading across China. There was talk of 
digitally mapping Henry's room onto the stage and, and, uh, and animating the artwork digitally live in the theatre setting. But I think the, the budget was an issue at one point. It was going to cost about half a million pounds. And so we had, <laughs> thought, oh, hold on a minute. Maybe we can't quite afford that yet. We soon had a bigger problem as the pandemic spread across Europe. When the pandemic started to hit France, which was like... Uh, let's say February, February 2020, then I realized that, okay, that's more than complicated. It's already complicated to produce a show with Outsider. Now it's going to be almost impossible to produce a show. So I, I thought, okay, okay, this is going to be for a long time, maybe six months, one year or more. So I thought, that's why I started to think a very, very different way, the way to show and tell the story about Dogger and out The Outsider. I decided I wanted to make a podcast to tell Henry Dogger's story. And I also had an idea to make videos for every song on the album. Some of them were made with videographer Pascal Gary, also known as Forma Zero, and others by a talented cartoonist called Gabriel Jacquel, who adapted Henry Dogger's artwork for the screen. We, with the visuals, the idea was also to be inspired by Dogger without copying Dogger. To be inspired to do something new and creative, and, um, but not exactly just animating the, um, the characters. The first time I saw Bring Them In, uh, uh, the film, I thought that that is what had been done. I thought, oh, he's, he's animated the, the painting somehow. But then I realized, no, this isn't the painting. He's taken uh, inspiration from two or three or four paintings and redrawn all the characters and reimagined characters and added new characters like Hannah Peel and things like that and created a version of that world. It's so brilliant. And then, and then you see the, and then the reveal of, of the original paintings at the end is, yeah, it's great. I'm, I love it. One of the final steps before releasing the album is to us to, to ask Andrew Sheps to do an, a new mix. Yeah, Andrew Sheps is a big deal kind of master mixing engineer, a Grammy award winning engineer, worked with a range as in Adele and Red Hot Chili Peppers and back in the day uh, Michael Jackson and things like that. Beyonce, another uh, Ray. And and he's a great guy, really, really um, sort of a Santa Claus type character. He's lots of, we've well, got lots of hair and lots of beard, but he's also got lots of charm and and sweetness. Um, I think I gave him a call and wondered if he'd be interested in mixing this, and and he was, and he did a great job. I don't think he 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 wasn't really aware of the background wasn't co completely aware of Henry Darger, but um, I do remember him say, saying, I didn't realise there was going to be quite so many sort of Jesuses and saviours, and it's kind of, it sounds like a very twisted religious cult record. If you're not quite fully aware of, of, of what this is and who wrote the lyrics and, and, and what world they come from, you know, it's, um, 
I think I think he got about three quarters of the way through mixing it and was freaking out a bit about wondering what is this he's mixing. Then I, you know, I wonder what people are thinking when it comes on the radio because it doesn't sound like a track from now and it doesn't fit in with contemporary, uh, I don't know, indie pop music or avant-garde music. I don't know where it fits. You know, it's the first time I've been involved in a kind of a conceptual album it's about writing music trying to create an atmosphere and a feeling and a place and and a collaborative album you know with other people's ideas and representing as you say a visual artist and a, a dead visual artist you know it's a huge huge task it felt very natural though i i felt when we were working together and it felt very organic and and in a way easier in some way to kind of channel these things into music because you have so much to draw from rather than the blank canvas uh, situation and hopefully he's not too offended by um, our project we've taken literally the words out of his mouth posthumously and uh, and made made a new piece of art with it we've given him a a fantastically luxurious voice though so hopefully he'll um, he'll dig that scattering fierce filament by the wayside scattering human fiends by the hillside even without working before together it became very natural and very fluid and yeah. everything's like a puzzle went start to be together like with Hannah and Adam and uh, everything you know like uh, and even until to the, to the mix and the, it took his time to ma- mature but naturally and organically the the piece of the puzzle were assembled exactly yeah it never felt like um we were forcing it in any way you know so um and even the the trips in in la and even your near-death experiences they've all been part of this this journey definitely yeah (laughs) in the next episode of outsider I will have the pleasure to discuss Henry Darger's legacy with a widely acclaimed artist who has been immensely impacted by his art, Grayson Perry. I think that Darger's work is just a reflection of the, of the kind of unconscious processes that go on in everybody. Whether they're willing to admit them or not is another matter, or whether they're fully aware of them. You know, that's why therapy is so interesting, is because it burrows in and gets you to realize the kind of engine of your unconscious and how it's driving your behavior. Outsider is a seven-part podcast series. It was created by Philippe Cohen-Solal, written by Clémentine Spiller, and produced by César de Pouilly for Yabasta Records. If you enjoyed the music in this episode, you can listen to the Outsider album by Philippe Cohen-Solal and Mike Lindsay. The album is inspired by the works of Henry Darger. It's out now and streaming on all platforms. Grand Union waves by the way.